Japan Studio Podcast. Welcome, everybody. My name is Dennis. I next am. to me, I have Joris. And next to us, we have a very special guest. Uh, I think it's one of the only players from the USA who has been playing in Canada, Australia, Europe, and of course, in the USA itself. Yeah. Um, a Bachelor in Art, at least 15,000 listeners per month on Spotify. Yeah. Recorded already three albums, on which we must say that actually it's the only one that we are listening to in a freaking way. So we're a big a fan. That means a lot. Thank you. For sure. <laughs> and then um, he also has uh, shared the stage with Spongle two times. Yep. Uh, two sold-out concerts at the Rec Rock Amphitheater. Yep. Yeah, um, I think one of the most talented players and producers in the game. Thank you, man. Um, this is Dan McQueen. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I feel honored. The first, the first show. Like, yeah. This is uh, what an honor. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's very special. So playing with Spongle mm -hmm. in a theater. Yeah. Uh, how was this? How did this came? Yeah, kinda? it was. Uh, it's one of the. It's the, one of the coolest weeks of my life, man. It was. Um, it was a big honor to get. Um, so, the way that it came to be for me was almost more of a special thing than the show itself. So it was uh, Manu Delago was like their original guy, and then it went to Dante Bucci and. Uh, so when it came time to find someone for this year, Manu recommended me to the guys. And so for me, like to have his recommendation uh, was just as cool to be able to do the show. Because they um, were playing before. Yeah. 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 Then, Dago and, yeah he, uh, he was the one like on the recordings for, uh, okay. for two of the three songs that I did. Um, and then, yeah. And then like when Dante took over and, you know, Dante tragically passed away, it was, you know, for me, it was a big it was a big deal to get the the call so i like that was a big uh just don't goosebumps. just don't mess it up yeah, yeah exactly goosebumps. yeah i remember reading the, the email and just my initial response was like i can't i can't do that like that's a huge like can we curse on the show or are you keeping it clean i don't or, fucking care we're yeah okay. we're on the netherlands yeah so it's okay. <laughs> when i saw the email i was like I, this is this is too fucking big for me man like i don't this is this is like between Manu and Dante, like I can't fucking do this. And Spongle. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it was um it was a really cool experience. The the people couldn't have been nicer. Um I I practiced more for those it was I think I practiced four songs, four songs with them, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, you know, they're long, so it's like, you know, seven minutes per song or whatever. Um and I practiced those four songs like, you know, hundred like like literally hundreds of times. Like I, I just the, it was very fun, but it was also very stressful. Like, just don't fuck this up. Please don't fuck this up. <laughs> so, you, were, you, were you was free to do whatever you want, or they really... Well, for uh, three of the songs, or two of the songs, two of the songs Manu had recorded with them, so that was kind of like they were already released and out like this, and then there was another song that used like a traditional steel drum that they wanted like the closest you could get to, to yeah. that. Um, so that one I had a bit of freedom with. And then there was a song called Juggling Molecules, which they just thought handpan yeah. would be cool. And uh, so I wrote the whole, like I wrote like a handpan part for that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool, man. It was, uh, it was a big deal for me. It was something that I, yeah, I'll never forget. I got a tattoo of Red Rocks on me. I, really? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was, it was really special. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. 
And they're still performing, actually, uh, Spongo? No, I think that, the whole thing with those Red Rocks gigs is that they were their last, um, that was their last set of shows. So, um, I mean, hopefully they decide to do some stuff, um, you know, for like in the future and hopefully I get the call. But um, yeah, we'll see, man. It was, uh, so I think that was, it was marketed as like their last weekend of shows and um so yeah, like between Spangol, Manu, Dante, the last runs of shows for me, it was just, you know, pressure. It was pressure. Yeah, but it was, you know, just it was really, uh, it was a big honor for me. Yeah. yeah. So I just uh, wanted to, to do my best, and uh, you know, I've been practicing this instrument for you know since 2009, like every day for a few hours a day, and so it's, you know, kind of like all right, you've you've done this a lot, like you could probably. You could probably do this, so let's just do it. <laughs> so you started your handband journey in 2009. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. before that, uh, drum set, drum set. Yes, I started playing um, like a, like obviously like when you start playing drums, there's a lot of like classic rock, and then I got into like a lot of hardcore music and metal music and indie rock, and then transitioned to like a lot of hip hop and DJs and uh, playing with a lot of these guys like during college. So got a lot of. Uh, yeah, a lot of different genres of music on the drum set. And then when I found Handpan, it was kind of a way to put all those genres together and do it alone. So you didn't need a band. You could produce yourself. I could produce myself. I could, you know, write all the songs myself. I could do the gigs myself. And I love playing with a band and stuff, but it was just, there was a, a part of that that was really exciting where it was like, man, I could look at all that I could do just in my room. Like, this is, this is pretty cool, you know, like. So that's kind of in the beginning is what really, you know, attracted me it's to like it. The, yeah. the combination of yeah. all, actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like in college is when I got more into like the hip hop and DJ and electronic world. So then like... Um, so there are the beats coming from? Yeah, that's a lot of the beats. Um, yeah. I produced a little bit in like uh, Fruity Loop Studio, like FL Studio when I was in high school and middle school a bit. Um, but when I got into college is when I really um, started producing a lot more. Um, so yeah, so that's when all the, the beats and hand pans kind of merged so yeah it's been fun <laughs> nice yeah so how old were you actually when you were beginning to play with music uh, i was 10 when i started playing drums uh so it was like fifth or sixth grade i think it's a family of music uh my dad played drums a, a bit and uh and some guitar oops uh my dad played drums and guitar a bit um and my, my mom and dad are just big music fans uh as you know my dad was he's a pretty good drummer he's, he's got a few chops um but yeah they were you know they're just big music fans like we still go to concerts and stuff together when it's uh you know we just went to some before i left for for this tour and uh yeah it's just very music uh music fans and music career supportive but not musicians themselves you know my dad was a track coach my mom is a nurse so a little little different than uh touring musicians but still very supportive yeah and you're still playing the drums or other instruments than the... Not so much, man. I wish. I was, um, I'm staying now at the IASA headquarters and they have a, a, like a jam room where it's just like a drum set and yeah. basses and keyboards. And so we've been jamming a bit and it's the first time I played drums in probably like a year, really? I think. Yeah. So I felt a little like robotic playing. I didn't feel so loose and, and fun, but, uh, but yeah, so I haven't played very much lately just because the handpan stuff has been so like, I'm working on my fifth album and uh getting ready for this tour so it's just you know it's just a lot of other stuff collaboration projects so you know with other instruments yeah, yeah yeah well for me i'm trying to focus on really just hand pan playing and then producing uh so yeah no no drums lately which it sucks but it's it is what it is <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, mainly you can say you play the handpan and what I hear you combine it with electronics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you started, yeah, electronics, like producing music, like just in a program when I was like in middle school, high school. And then when I got into college is when blending the, the handpans and electronic beats started to happen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, this makes it, I think, for us very interesting. Like, Yeah, I think the electronics um, certainly they add like a, an extra element to that because I mean, we're all handpan geeks here, you know, like it's a beautiful instrument and there's a million different things you can do. But when you start to introduce electronics and, uh, you know, beats and different effects and production and all of this stuff, it makes it very um, like digestible to listen to. You know, if you listen to any, like, even if it's a like solo guitar player, if without like the structure of a bass or a drum set or yeah. some sort of synth or something like it can kind of get, you know, a bit uh, spacey, you know, so to introduce some uh, electronics keeps yeah. it, I think it keeps it interesting. You know? And when you're performing acoustic, mm -hmm. you miss it or you feel also the beauty uh, or you feel a bit, yeah, so I could imagine it could be a bit. Yeah. So there's certainly some of that. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a, a very big uh, added stress when you play with electronics yeah, live as well, yeah. Because there's, you know, like a lot of the sound comes directly from me and, yeah. and like the rig that I have on the side. So, you know, if anything goes wrong, it's kind of your fault. Um, so when you do just hand pan solo stuff, um, it's it's a good challenge to be able to keep a crowd entertained with just hand pans. Uh, and and I, I'm kind of uh, I'm really self critical about concerts and stuff. Like I, I really like I, I notice the crowd and if they're starting to become like looking up and kind of checking their phone and becoming bored, you know it's not that the crowd is bad. It's that you're not entertaining enough. Like is that? Is it? I found it always difficult. Yeah, I, for yeah, for me, I mean, maybe not. Or maybe, maybe you have the quality to please them in any way, yeah? Because sometimes I feel like you feel a bit, you play and you feel a bit, people get restless. Yeah. And so then you say, yeah, do I have to adjust to that? Or, you know, this is my performance. Yeah. And this is what I bring. And yeah, I want to take them into that. Yeah. So for me, I, I, they're... The, when you play in front of an audience, it's like they're there to watch you, sure. But you're also there to, like provide them an entertain like an entertaining show so if the songs that i play are not entertaining and you start to see people kind of uninterested it's not like their fault like if i was if i gave a better show they would be more invested so with handpin solo concerts i i do a lot of my compositions but maybe throw some more fills in or you know a more interesting transition or something like unique to that specific moment that would keep people you know, invested in what I'm doing. Um, so that's, you know, the electronics, when you add in anything with like a kick drum on the four or like a super low sub bass, like, you know, that in itself is, you know, you, people hear that and they're like, damn, like, what's that sound? Like, that's pretty cool. Like, that's really deep. But to do it with a handpan only, you know, that's, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's an added layer of a challenge, but also you lose the layer of stress with like sound problems and all that. It's like we're the show that we're doing here, just totally acoustic, unplugged. Like for me, these are really fun. I, I love doing them. And it's um, when I do, you were asking about the electronic music. Like for me, all of the songs start on handpan first for the most part. So if the compositions are good on them, like on their own, like without any electronics, without any beats, without anything, then they're ready for the next step, which is like production, electronics, basses, synths, all, yeah, all that stuff. So, yeah. And you are doing everything yourself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
The last, um, I've had a few tracks mastered by other people, like uh, Josh Rivera in the U.S. He makes Veritas handpans. If you know okay. this guy, he um, he's actually a very talented mastering engineer. Like he's done some stuff for um, Future Rust, the record label. Um, so he's mastered a few of my songs, and it's uh, I think it's really it's really nice. Like when you do your own mastering, and then you hear what somebody else does, and you're like, damn, like they they're better at this than I am. Like I like when someone else kind of will master so like you know when josh mastered some of the songs it was uh it was a nice change it was like little subtle things but it was it was very welcome you know i like this a lot yeah so but everything else i do <laughs> well yeah usually mastering too and i'm trying to, i'm trying to get the masters maybe to this next album it's like my fifth one so maybe for the fifth album i'll have somebody else master it yeah i think this is usually also the case right that the mixing can be also done by the artist, but then the mastering usually goes to... Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, um, I mean, at least financially, it's a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. I think for me anyway, it's a bit of a pride thing. You know, like you, mm. you write the music yourself, you record it yourself, you add all the electronics yourself, the production, all this yourself, yourself, yourself. Um, the mixing yourself why not try to do the mastering yourself you know but then it's 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 probably more beneficial to have somebody else kind of fix the mistakes that you're just used to hearing you know so like some of the stuff that josh changed is there they were things that i would have never have not even i wouldn't have changed i wouldn't have even noticed like little things like kind of like stray frequencies that went crazy or things that i just was used to hearing that somebody else heard and they were like take that away <laughs> like so this was super nice so i, I like that a lot that's nice. And I think actually it's amazing to have working on your fifth album now. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious too, like, what's the creative process of Demo Queen? Is there like something fixed that is happening or uh, where yeah. it's coming from? Inspiration? Yeah, where it's coming from. How, how do you start or how do you make your fifth album? Yeah, man, I think uh, for me, again, like most, I mean, like nine out of ten of the songs will probably start like handpan composition first. You know, it's like, because at the end of the day, it's like they're, they're handpan based compositions. So like the handpan solo should be cool. Like it should be unique. It should be different than what I did the last time. Um, so it all starts with handpan stuff. Like there's been a few songs that have not, but for the most part, they all start with handpan first. Um, so on the handpan, it's, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, all the, all the parts. Um, and, you know, you record a bunch of songs, a bunch of parts, <clears throat> you know, like on my phone, it's the, the voice memos, there's hundreds and hundreds of ideas. And then those ideas kind of get funneled, like this one sounds good with this idea, let's try them together. Um, okay, there's my bridge and my transition. And you know, like little things like this, you start to piece the parts together. Um, but then there's some kind of like freak songs that come along and you just kind of sit down and after 30 minutes, you have a verse chorus and bridge and you're like damn i'm like halfway done with this song like this is, <laughs> this is pretty cool but um so those are rare but they're uh, i love when that happens and they're actually good um and yeah for me i throw out a lot of ideas you know like i'm again like i'm pretty critical on a lot of that stuff so if it's things that i've done like really heavily in the past um you know things that you know we have artists like everybody has we have like crutches right things that we always go back to so if I have a song that I feel like goes back to too much of the same stuff that I've already done, I usually get rid of the song because it's like, I've already done that. That's not, that's not exciting anymore. That's not like challenging. Um, 
so, so yeah, the process is, you know, it's just a lot of, I, I try to practice like three out, two hours, three hours a day. Um, and I break it up like an hour of like just technical stuff, scale runs, finger rolls, chord changes, all this stuff. And then like an hour and a half or so of, uh, like songwriting where you're just, you're not focused on the technique. You're not focused on the roles or like what's, you know, what's the newest exciting fill. You're just focused on what sounds cool. Um, what can I do? That's you know, sonically pleasing, that's exciting. And uh, so, yeah, that's a lot of the process is just a lot of time. You know, it's a lot of um, trial and error, a lot. You know? Two, three hours a day? Try to. Yeah, you can see it Try. in your finger rolls. Yeah. That's true. Well, thanks. We were enjoying very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think in this, um, maybe it's also interesting, like in the beginning when you start playing handpan, I think everybody who's falling in love with the instrument is like highly motivated mm -hmm. um now when people ask me like how much do you play um now it's definitely not what it was in the beginning yeah so motivation yeah. will tend to lower and then actually dedication mm. is what is needed yeah. to stay in this yeah thing of training and staying in this high frequency if you can say it like that yeah. Yeah. Um, do you also encounter moments where you're like not oh. uh, feeling this and yeah. how do you cope with that because I think also I think for us you're very inspirational and I also think for people that will be listening um, and I think it's always interesting also to you know hear from the artists like okay you say you play for three hours uh, a day one hour technical exercises yeah How do you stay this dedicated? Well, I, yeah, I, I, as I appreciate that a lot. Like, you know, the inspiration. Like, I hope, I mean, it's nice to know that people are inspired by what I do, but it's like, you sure. know, for me, it's like the the dedication, it was never about, like, I want to be, like, the fastest player, have the cleanest roles, or, like, you know, have whatever. Like, insert whatever, like, mm -hmm. single thing to strive for. For me, it's always been about, like, just kind of evolving and becoming just a better all around artist. So like maybe there's an album where it's just handpan solo. And because I haven't done that, like mm. I did, like I had my third album, it was like a double album. So the one was just solo and it was like the same compositions, just stripped down, like just handpans, uh, uh, one with electronics and production, one with just solo. Um, so for me anyway, it's always been about like doing the new exciting and challenging stuff. So, You know, to your question is like trying to stay motivated in that. It's like there's always something to do, like whether it's like if there's certain days where it's like, you know, I'm particularly challenged by like the rolls and the, the you know, different finger rolls and scale runs and all this, then like, yeah, then you can like deep dive into that because you're just like extremely motivated to like get better at that one roll for two and a half hours. And it's like for that day, that was the motivation. And for maybe some other day, the motivation is just, focusing on a song at like 60 BPMs with zero fills, zero excited. Like it's, it's all about the melodies and the composition. So like, um, for me, I kind of combat the, like being like uninspired in that by trying to go down the list of things I want to work on. So if it's super technical, I'll try to focus only on technical. If I'm not feeling the technical thing that day, I'll try to stick with songwriting. But Um, there are days and weeks where both of those things, you're like, man, I am just, I just need a break, dude. Like, I just need a break. Um, 
and for me, like lately in life, I've like uh, like the last two and a half years, um, I've always loved uh, like mixed martial arts and jujitsu and stuff. And uh, the last two and a half years or two years and change, I joined like this jujitsu gym at home, uh, and I go there like four four days a week. I tried to go three to four days a week. What belt uh, you got? Blue. Blue belt. Yeah. Blue. Yeah, I Blue just belt. got it before. Want to try him? Is it good? <laughs> you want to try him here for the podcast? <laughs> we got like mixed martial arts handpan podcast. No, I've just I've been a fan of mixed martial arts. I've never trained it. Like trained in like I did some kickboxing in college and stuff. But uh, no, jujitsu has always been really fun. So for me, the reason to even bring this up is there are certain days where you just are so tired of being in the studio. Like you're so tired. <laughs> it sucks, right? When people do that. <laughs> But, Sorry, guys. Yeah, it was before we started rolling. But uh, so cer certain times, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice to leave the studio, you know, and just do that. Um, to be away from the fills, the songwriting, do something to just like wipe the slate clean. And give space like, again for new. Yeah, exactly. Like you're so like when you focus so hard on like one or two things and then you do something like the yeah. furthest from what you were just doing. Then when you go back to it, it's like new again. So for me, you know, you try like. You try, I try my hardest to like focus on like the music stuff, but there are times where you just need a break, you know. So um, you go on holidays also? Yeah, not really. Uh, like my, ho my holiday is touring, you know, like mm. I'm here in Europe now for like six and a half weeks. Um, and you come tired at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, I'm tired. Like I'm, I think I'm, I just started the fourth week and uh, yeah, it's tiring, man. But um But yeah, so some some breaks are you know a few days here, a few days there, where you just don't do anything on purpose, and um, and it's it's cool for me. Like handpans have have fairly like taken over my life. You know, I, I, when I'm not doing this, um, you know, I also have a podcast like the Handpan Show, and that's you know it's not playing and practicing, but it's talking about the instrument, it's talking to the other, you know, the other uh, you know professional players and. You know, you're inspired by just listening to them. And, you know, it's with David Charrier. So, like, talking with him. And we have all these ideas for, like, you know, Master the Handband stuff and podcast stuff. And it's just constant, like, excited to do new things. So, it doesn't always need to be, like, technical stuff, singer-songwriter stuff. Like, you can kind of break your habits just to go back to them, yeah. you know. And when did you decide to really go for as a musician, to, to go as a musician in life? Like, I don't know, maybe before you had other jobs yeah. or stuff. Yeah, so this is like a pretty, uh, it would be a pretty long answer, but um, I had a few different um, times in life where it was like varying parts of like a musician, 100%, a musician like half the time, 100% again, and then COVID and back to, it was just, so I've been, it like, tr I would say a professional musician since like 2000 and I don't know. I put my first album out in 2014, but nobody heard it. So, like, you can't really count that as, like, Why not? you know, professional. But, like, I started touring a lot in, like, 2016, 2017. Um, and, yeah, I was, a, I was a video and audio producer for a bunch of, like, radio stations and podcasts and stuff um, back home. And then I left that to pursue music, and I put my fourth album out on March 1st of 2020, which was, like, 14 days before the world stood still for COVID. And, um, so it was like this cool moment of like, yeah, like, I'm no more work. I'm just going to tour. I'm going to make records and this is going to be fun. And then like two weeks into a seven or eight week tour, everything stopped the album. I have, I have so much merch left over, <laughs> but, uh, 
so yeah, and then when COVID hit, I there was an opportunity to go uh, produce a radio show again because you couldn't do anything, couldn't go anywhere. So um, I went back to producing this, and then as of was that February of this year? Yeah, February of this year, I decided to leave again, and you know everything with like my music, uh, you know collaboration projects, Master the Handpan, our podcast, all this stuff to me was like much more exciting than doing it like in addition to a job. But and was it, sorry, no, because right. of the handpan? Like the handpan was the, the instrument, I yeah. mean, he was playing instruments before, yeah. but the handpan was the one. Yeah, I mean, this was going, this. Yeah, that was the one. I mean, the drums. This was the one, yeah. Yeah, the drums were cool. Like I played for some hip hop guys that, you know, they had some, uh, some they did some really cool things back home. Uh, but it was, you know, you're like a, essentially like a, a live musician for them. Like you're not, you're in the band, but you're not like, you know, you're not there, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. like I was just the drummer, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that's it. You know, like this is, you know, this is like my name and and like what I want to do and the music that I want to make. So maybe like for, it didn't happen. Like I was, I felt pretty lucky because the guys, especially the hip hop guys that I played for, they all made really cool music, and I was really stoked to play it. So there was never anything like I don't know if we should do that song. Kind of sucks. Like for, there was never really those moments. Um, so for me, it's like if that song sucks, there's never a discussion of like, should we do it? Should we not? It's like, no, nah, if it sucks, I just cut it. And yeah. that's it. It's one and done. But um, so anyway, yeah, the, the drums were always like supporting other people. Whereas like the handpan was the first music that I did that was like mine, you know, and same with the producing. Yeah. Yeah, I think also helped many musicians. Yeah, because the handpan was so new. Yeah. So all the doors were just yeah opening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... If you're starting now to play handpan, you know, it's, it takes some time before you... Also, when we started, actually... When did nobody you start? Um, <laughs> nine years ago, ten years ago. Okay. Huh? Eight years. But playing, though, I meant like the... Yeah, we started playing on the street. Yeah, but like the handpan studio, this is pretty, ah. this is recent. I think this is actually a funny story, maybe also nice actually for the first podcast to introduce a little bit more about ourselves. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We, um, yeah, so we got the instrument nine or eight years ago. I think I actually got my first one from Jan Borre. Yep. And uh, you had a Sunpen, yeah. Sunpen, first one. And we didn't knew each other yet back then. Um, and then at some point I had a friend of mine, he was busking also. And I, I saw like what he was bringing in. I was like, okay, this is actually quite interesting. So then I came to the same spot, and then he was sitting there, uh, still no, with another yeah, no. another one. Come on, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "Okay, is this guy gonna stay or not?" And then I came back the next day, and the next day, and he was still playing with another dear friend of him. Um, and then it was like, "Oh, we just exchanged numbers, and they usually took the morning spot, and then I came in the afternoon, and then we just switched shifts." Nice. And I think it went like that for two or three years. Two yeah, years, it took some time. Actually, we, I think we tried it to play sometimes, but it didn't really go. Dirty. Yeah, but you knew each other. For we knew each other, but the playing we didn't play together. Yeah, we didn't play. And actually, we were trying once, and I remember it was this Iranian girl. She she joined us. At least she just came to sit and chill. I think it was an Iranian actress. Maybe. And then she had like uh, space brownies, and I'll never forget. She just gave me a bite, and I was small parts she said I ate the whole thing so I was like okay so I can take a little bit more 
why not? And then I just remember like... Just that. damn it, it's such a red eyes, you <laughs> I was like, I became like an Asian person. And then we started to play and it was like we switched instruments and then just magic happened. Mm. And I was like, is it just, is it the brownie or is this like really nice? And there we really got together and it connected. And we actually, we really liked each other. Um, but then musically, we also got a nice connection. And then we just started playing every day. At some point, we started to teach and then we split up again. And then he was teaching his part and then I was teaching my part. And then at some point we were like, man, we're doing double the work. Yeah. And also, like, because at some point we also started selling instruments because another friend of ours started making the instruments and we were selling his instruments. But then, you know, you, you, you make like, a, you sell like a class package and an instrument and you're so happy. And then, yeah, but you celebrate by yourself. Yeah. And then yeah. when he has a, something nice, okay, I'm happy for him, but yeah. I'm not yeah. fully 100% sharing in the, in the, yeah. Yeah. And then I think 2019, at some point, we went to the sauna three times a week just to chill. And then there the plan came to just work together. Um, and yeah, 2020, I think uh, COVID started. Yeah, actually we started. Yeah, yeah. there actually we started and he was in, in Israel back then. Um, and actually that, that really gave a boost because... Um, nobody could do anything anymore because mm -hmm. everything was locked up and then we yep. just went online like hey you want to rent an instrument you're home anyway mm -hmm. and then i think i was just driving every day like for hours on the road and then all the all the netherlands but this this was actually the beginning of spreading handpan studio yeah mm -hmm. renting bring it to the house in the covid cool. <laughs> yeah yeah from there on it uh, we saved many people yeah <laughs> Definitely. From there, it has been has been growing yeah. to what we have right now. Yeah, we really are enjoying everything we do. Yeah, that's great, like man. Our life is handpan, and we are blessed to call this thing that we do like sharing our music, but not just the music, but also the instrument. Yeah. Um, bringing this instrument into the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this I think we enjoy the most. No? This, yeah. And this is just a beautiful thing yeah. because we know what it has given us. Yeah. Um, especially also to people who don't play music yet. It's really a gift. Yeah. Um, because it's just so, how do you say, yeah, easy to start with because it sounds so great already if you just yeah. touch it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're also doing like workshops monthly here and we have a group of people and. Um, yeah, we just show them the instrument and then afterwards we also give them the possibility to take the instrument home so they can just try it without, yeah. you know, making the big yeah. uh, it's, investment. It's directly. not like you have to convince them either. It's like a hand pan is such a cool instrument. It's like a, as long as they get to try it like a decent instrument, they're probably more than likely are going to be hooked on it. At least want to play more. Yeah. Like, and for me, it's like kind of... You know, you said it's like so like rewarding, like when people come up to me after shows, like who have never seen the instrument and like ask about it. It's like, damn, dude, like I remember seeing it for the first time and like what a big effect that had on my life. And, you know, it's like crazy to me that this weird instrument that has legitimately changed my life, you've yeah. never even seen it before. So yeah. it's like, how cool is this that like you're 
like this is your first time seeing it and maybe you become obsessed with it like I did or maybe you hate it or whatever but at least now you know it's it exists like that's pretty yeah. to me that's pretty cool you yeah. know and do you you perform uh, often in the states um i used to a lot but uh you know covid i i live like 20 minutes from new york city so there used to be like, uh, like 20 minutes of oh. a train ride from new 20 york city minutes. yeah wow. but um you know so i used to get like used to gig there pretty semi often and uh when covid hit it a lot of the you know small and mid-sized venues that i would play those are the ones that kind of closed down so um you know there's been shows in the city and um i do a lot of stuff i think that yeah they're here i know they're in amsterdam uh they're called so far sounds like they're, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we played for it we yeah. played for them as so well. nice done, very nice yeah i've done a, a bunch of them uh in new york i did one in san diego when i was just on tour there um so those shows are cool that you know they're they're like 100 people 120 people yeah. and uh they're just there to listen to music which is like as musicians that that's what you want you know like the we've all done the bar gigs where you're you know like when can we do karaoke it's like it's like i'm trying to play you my original music man like <laughs> it's a bit different yeah. but uh so anyway yeah like so far sounds and um the smaller rooms i have a lot of fun doing them like you know 60 to 70 people so you prefer small yeah i like this um but it's also fun i mean like the festivals and outside shows like handpaid festivals where people are like they know the instrument they want to see it live you don't need to like you know win over the audience as much like you still you want people to pay attention to you and stuff but um at bars and smaller venues there's a, a part of it where you need to get them to be interested in what you're doing because it's so new you know so many times people will just like look and walk by you know let's look and walk by or like <clears throat> you know you're playing on the way to the bar you know and they're just kind of like yeah give me like hang on like let me just order my drink and go back to my table like you know, like a lot of the festivals and, um, you know, yeah, like handpin festivals, handpin workshops where people are there to see the instrument. They know what it's about. They know how cool it is. Then it's just about you making the best music on the instrument rather than like convincing people that it's worth listening to, you know? So. Yeah. So nice. Intimate, small concerts. Yeah. yeah they're I fun. I think also, yeah, it's both nice, but it's sweet. So tonight. Yeah. It's fun. Have a full house here. Have a full house here. <laughs> So, um, for you, we've talked about Spongo. Maybe it's nice if you could share like another one of your favorite performances. Hmm. What you've done? Yeah, I. Um, oh man, I mean, there's. I feel really lucky, man. There's, there's a lot of really cool moments that I've had, and and it's not like all big stages and. Um, like there's some of that, you know, like the French festival was like a really big French. Did you, did you guys go to this one? Um, it was in Mez, France. No. Did you ever go to this? I hear about it. No, it was, um, <clears throat> they haven't done it since COVID, but it was, uh, I think it was like the largest handpin festival that there was. So, um, I, I did, so it was basically booked for two years. The first year was, um, David Charrier and I have a duo together. Like, uh, it's called parallel. Um, so the first year he did a 60 minute set and parallel did a 30 minute set. And the second year I did a 60 minute set and parallel did the 30 minute set. Um, so sharing the stage with Dave is, uh, it's always been, shout out to Dave. yeah, shout out to Charrier. Um, I like that, you know, those moments like on stage, those moments have been really fun. Like a lot of like joking back and forth. And, um, we have a very similar playing style and approach to music. So like when I mess up, he knows. And when he mess up, like when he messes up, I know. And it's just kind of like this nice, um, 
you know, it's a, it's a nice like on stage relationship where you're like, you know. I didn't know that actually that you had really that you were connected in playing. Oh yeah, really yeah. Nice. Me and yeah, they, me we're we're tight friends, man. Yeah, he's he's so uh, never met him yet actually. No, we've never met him. You go to you're we going would to love to right? meet you, Dave. <laughs> and we would love an album together. Yeah. Yeah, well, so that's the it's a sore subject, man, because we recorded an EP in 2019, oh. and I just haven't produced it yet, so uh, it's coming. But uh, you're going to Pan Tribe or no? No, no. okay. I so would we'll like because be I there. think it's yeah. really nice, yeah, great one. But but um, we're busy with our own one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure that's the following or two weekends from that. Or yeah. But um, so yeah, 19, like, 19th of August, Handpan Festival, <laughs> Dutch Handpan Festival. Check will it, it out. This, will this come out before your festival? Uh, <laughs> Maybe. I, I hope so. <laughs> nice. Okay. Cool. Let's see. Tom, <laughs> will it be out for the 19th of August? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Great. Shout out to Tom. Shout out to Tom. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, so yeah, man. Uh, the moments on stage with Dave have been have been really nice, um, and that festival was really cool. Basically, for me, um, any stage with like you know when I bring the electronics and it goes well for me, it's uh, it's very memorable because it's something totally new and it's not something that I knew for me, like something that I, I've, you know, trying to get people up and dancing and like, not just, you know, listening and like, t like actually dancing and, and having fun at the show rather than like sitting and enjoying. It's like kind of a, it's a new, like it's a new level for me, um, for handpan music. You know, it's, it's not like a hip hop show or anything like this, but, um, but yeah. And then like for me, man, I don't know, like back home, uh, some of the album release shows that I've done, um, I've done the last two albums in my hometown, which is like this really small town in, uh, central New Jersey. And I have, you know, my family's there and, uh, all my close friends are there. And, you know, it's, uh, so those have been really fun, like show moments. Uh, you know, the performance was probably okay. You know, I think it was, I was practicing the songs enough, like the, the performance was probably fine. But um, more of just like the vibe of the show, those have been some of my favorites and some that I, I like really remember like from start to finish, you know, just friends and family and just listening to music. And so those were super cool. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of moments, man. A lot of, a lot of cool, a lot of cool things. But Spongo was definitely the biggest, you know, that was, I don't I think know. amazing, yeah? Yeah, 10,000 was, uh, for me, it was, you know, I was trying to, I remember, people. yeah, like each night. And it was, I just remember like looking up. Wow. I remember looking up side stage and trying to convince myself that like, <laughs> it's not that many. It's not that many. I've done this before. I've done this. I, this is just another day. And then you see the people, you're like, I have never done this before. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of cool moments, man. I feel, I feel super lucky. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And what was the first handpan? What your first handpan? Oh, which, uh, which, um, uh, which key? Tonality? 2000 and... So what do you think it is? I have no idea. I really have no idea. I think it's it pro 2009. It's probably Halo. No? Symphonic Steel wasn't there yet. No. 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 It's an Italian maker. Italian maker. Oh, the Spanish. With uh, Marco Della Rota. There you go. That's yeah. it, yeah. I've had one of him as well. Yep. Shout out to Marco. Shout out to Marco. You sold it to me? No, I didn't sell it to you. I actually got it from Petrus. Ah, okay. Another player here. Yeah, yeah. Pedro's a uh, known guy here. Cool. But uh, yeah, I had one of his, and uh, we actually communicated through YouTube uh, in, yeah, 2000, between 2008 and 2009. And I think it was. I love this material. Yeah, it was Aeolian, as was the name of the scale. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Still yeah, have it? No, no. Ah. I, uh, it's kind of a. 
I think there are a few things like when you start playing handpan that you like common mistakes and sell the first one. Yeah, well, mine. I think regret it so much. Yeah, and I think a bigger mistake is thinking that you're gonna buy like a first generation Hong on eBay, and it'd be a scam. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, all this happened to yeah, me. Yeah. So this <laughs> happened to me where I was talking with this person on eBay. Uh, they were selling a first generation Hong for like, like a thousand bucks, and like, and they had this whole story of like, you know, I only I bought it for four hundred bucks, and I want to make a little money, but I don't want to sell it for because back then, I mean, the first generation Panhard Hongs were for like eight thousand, eight thousand US. So it was like you know, you find kind of like this unicorn of like someone who just wants to like sell it to someone who will play it. And like, that's, that's the story that they were mm, selling me. Mm. Um, so I was like, I have this instrument now I could sell it and I'll buy it with, I'll take that money and, and, and buy this first generation hung. And so I sold it. Um, the Marco, I think I bought it for 600 bucks from Marco and I sold it for 680 bucks mm. and I felt like, yeah, I just I just flipped an <laughs> instrument like I just made all this money, <laughs> but um so I sold it for like just what I bought it for, and it was actually super sketchy because I it was a person bought it from me and they just so happened to live in New Jersey the state that I live in, and so we met up in a bank I was thinking like um you know people can jump you and take your things so like what is the safest place to meet. Um, so we met up in a bank parking lot because I figured there's like security cameras. I'm like, yeah, this is foolproof. Just, this was in New Jersey? Yeah, yeah, back home. So anyway, it was it was like an older couple. They loved the instrument. So we, we did our transaction in this bank parking lot. And um, I went to go pay this person from eBay. And the bank was like, like if there were 10 red flags for scams, like this had every single one of them. Like I told the lady at the bank what I was intending to do and how I met and where they were from and how I was wiring the money and all of this stuff. And the lady at the bank looked at me like it was like, she's like, you are not, there's no chance that we're letting you do this. Like if there's not, a, if this isn't a scam, it, it'll be like the biggest surprise. So sure enough, it turned out to be a scam. I, uh, I saved myself the money, but I also just sold my only instrument. So Oof. then, yeah. So then Marco made me another one. And, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, Marco. Yeah. Shout out to Marco. Cause he, uh, he hooked me up back then. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. And then I got after that, um, my first SPB was like 2000 and love that one. 2012, I think. Yeah. From, from Victor. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then there's been a lot ever since. We would love to have an instrument from Victor. So if you're <laughs> really? listening, put How us many? on the list. <laughs> How many instruments do you have now? Uh, I mean, there's. Um, yeah, there's quite a few now. Uh, I guess 10. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's like 14, I think 14, now. Like yeah. no. But no, it is 14. Cause I try to remember, cause I, I loaned, um, like I loaned some out and then some are like, um, you know, I feel lucky, man. A lot of builders like trust me to like, you know, we'll send you an instrument to make some videos and then you can keep it or, or send it back or whatever. So there are some instruments like that, um, that I have in, uh, you know, I want to play them nice. all. Like, I hate having instruments on my shelf that are just sitting there, like collecting dust. So, you yeah. know, like I play all the time. So, like I play all the instruments I have. Um, so yeah, man, it's uh, there's there's quite a few, but you know, they're all in different keys and from different people. So it's 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 nice. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? These like days, a- yeah. These days, I've been playing a lot. Um, the two of the ones that I brought with me. Uh, there's an E curd from. Uh, Ayasa that I play all the time. It's got 21 notes on it, so there's always something to figure out. 
And then I have a G2 minor from Veritas, which uh, Josh Rivera in the States. Um, and that's 15 notes. That's, uh, so there's quite a bit of yeah, opportunity nice. and stuff there. So, yeah, I've been playing those two a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to pick favorites, man. I just, I just think of, like, the ones that I've played most lately. Those are the two that come to mind. I would, I would ask this question also last time. If you have to take, if you would take, no. Oh. Oh, are you going to, the Desert Island question? I don't know. <laughs> you have to take one instrument of you. Yeah. Which one it will be? Um, I would say the Kurd one now. because E-Kurd. Yeah, the E-Kurd 21. Because uh, one, it's, I, I love playing it. And two, um, actually, this is the one I take with me on the airplane like that I don't check. Because I always think like, yeah, the instrument is beautiful in itself and all that stuff. But if worst case, worst case, worst case scenario, the airline okay. lost all my other stuff, I could probably make a 30-minute set on that one instrument and, okay. and that would be okay. <laughs> so... Um, so and yeah, even in, that one. inside of Europe, you fly with that case. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, and the you can check mediums. it in. Yeah. You can take it as hand luggage. Yeah, there's uh, there's a few tricks to get it by, um, to sneak it on. But uh, most asked questions: Ever. How to you get share your handpan on the airplane by Demo Queen? I there's there's go on the ground. <laughs> believe it or not, there's it's become like a science to this. Like I have I have tricks, and when I haven't, there's been twice where they've taken it from me. And both of those times, I didn't do my little tricks. Um, so anyway, if you're standing with it next to you, you never put it on your back because, like, no. we're like, we're like, if you stand this way, you could see if there's a bag that's coming out on both of your shoulders, it's probably too big. But if you have like a backpack and you keep it at your side, like straight, so it's like the it's like this way on your side. This is not good. If you kind of turn your wrist this way so that the bag is now like as thin as you are, you could kind of walk by and they won't see how big the handpin is because it fits in the overhead. Like it's not like you're stuffing it in the overhead. Yeah, it like depends. It low, low budget, like I think. Low budget. Easy. Like, Ryanair, difficult. Nah, I've done it. I've, done, I've flown Ryanair. I've flown I've also jet. done it once. I then he said, once. how did you get inside? He yeah. Told me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you just, you turn your wrist a little so that the case is like, only as wide as you are and you try to walk like if you're the tsa agent you try to just get the angle right <laughs> so it seems you know so it seems like it's not so big yeah and that's uh that's my that would be my trick okay. so sneak stuff onto sneak stuff past uh tsa and yeah yeah and i got it on the airplane once and then it didn't fit in the overhead it was like i was so happy i came in the airline i was like <laughs> dancing towards my seat <laughs> and i came and i was put it in uh, smiling and I was like yeah no yeah and then you just need to like pray that the person is nice like if you're like listen it's a super like you just just spice that like this is it's the most expensive instrument i've you've ever yeah, got like yeah. can you just put yeah. it in the little closet that they put the strollers in mm. you know that's mm. i've done that too you know there's been a lot of uh, trial and error like everything else it's trial and error yeah yeah <laughs> Actually, the Darbuka I brought, it didn't fit. And I asked them, can you please, do you have some space? And they were like, no, we have zero space at all. And then? So it needs to fit over there or we're going to put it downstairs. And it was like one of the clay drums we have here. And it's like, if you just drop it here, it will already break. Oh, but yeah. then it just fitted under my chair and they were like, okay with it being there. Well, you lucked out then. So, yeah. So it's 95% skill and 5% luck. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's true, I think. But actually, I also traveled a lot and I always took it somehow. It all depends. If you get, if you get a, like a TSA agent that's willing to like play ball a little bit and look the other way, then you're, yeah. it's, this is a nice thing. 
Yeah. yeah, and don't but ask the company. No. You know, sometimes people say, should I ask? Should I, never. Should I ask so, yeah. it? You know, you just you play dumb. I've never done this before. Can we? Can I do? Can I just take it out with me? Actually, I do most of the time, like on one shoulder. So you see yeah. a bit okay. apart here. So it's like a small bag, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Full of clothes, like 10 kilo. <laughs> I actually have a small list of short questions for you. Okay. You just give me the answer. Okay. Uh, if you don't want to choose, you can pass on okay. the question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, scary. In the Netherlands, oh, we are yeah. very open and free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So, stainless steel or nitrated? Stainless. Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. Salt or sweet? Sweet. To see or to hear? To hear. Curd or pygmy? Ooh. I don't know. The different. It's very different. I would say I would say curd because I've said how much I love the one I have. Okay, acoustically or with electronics? Depends on the setting. So I'll say pass because I like both and I don't want to pick. But I would say, like that for me is like an even 50-50. Mm. Like there's no I, I wouldn't be able to pick. Okay. Yeah. New hip hop or old school? Ooh. Um good man. <laughs> Anything that's, when they do anything with the live band, it doesn't matter if it's new or old. Like for me, the Roots are like one of the best ever, but it's also like there's some new stuff that's, I don't know, that's a tough one. I would say, I would say old school. I would say old school hip hop, yeah. That's actually nice to make a bridge to one of my favorite videos that got me hooked into you. Okay. I'm just gonna play for a bit. All right. <laughs> This is somebody calling me. So it's it's Wu Tang, man. You like that? Yeah, Wu Tang is, is one of my favorites. And when I posted that, they uh, actually the RZA saw my Instagram story with it. Um, he like you could see who who looks at it, um, and he uh, he saw it, which was for me was pretty cool. <laughs> Funny picture. <Yeah. laughs> so that's nice to hear. Um, we are very happy that you are here. Okay. Um, and you're going to perform also. Yeah. And you're doing a podcast. So I'm very happy with that. Yeah. Very sweet. So for this, I also have a gift oh, to dude. you. Maybe you Thank can you, man. Pass it on. Thank you. I love I, the packing. Eh? It's I was going to say, I looked at it because this was up. like the, yeah. I thought this was your brochures. It, it is. It, it is. <laughs> what I meant, like it, it was blend. I didn't know this was anything. I yeah. thought this was just brochures. Yeah. So, so you can pack it out. There's something inside. Gotcha. I don't want to, uh, it's such a nice wrapping job. I don't want to rip it. Yeah, thank you. It's original <laughs> at Penn Studio. Uh, there we go. Oh, let's see here. Ah, oh, there you go. Ah, oh, dude, that's so nice. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. Mike's <laughs> in the way. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is great, dude. I actually, I just got my first record player, like, uh, really? for Christmas. My parents got me one, so... Yeah, this is awesome.
Thank nice. you very much, man. Nice. This is uh, it's very nice of you. Yeah. So what we got here? Oh, uh, into the thirty-six chambers. Yeah. Yeah. So the actually the track you just heard that I played it was a loop. Yeah. Yep. And it was based on the cream, cream. Yeah, track. Cream. Yeah. What does it stand for again? Cash rules everything around me. Yeah. You got that? <laughs> <laughs> Clear. Yeah. But uh, thank you, man. That's that's uh, that's super nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. I didn't bring anything. I feel I feel empty-handed. You now. brought yourself. <laughs> that's enough. That's good. Yeah. Fill up the space you. with your music. Yeah, it's here. great, man. This is a cool space. A very cool space. I appreciate that very much, man. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. I'm happy with it. I actually, uh, I purchased it last week online, and I, I I told the guy, you really have to send it today. How is many times possible? you wrote me a message? You're so stressed. Did it arrive? <laughs> it arrived? I don't know. I'm giving a workshop. It arrived? <laughs> <laughs> so then also, um, it arrived. Nice. Saturday. Um, and it was delivered here, they said, but then there was no package here. Mm. And then today I've been contacting everybody like in the studios below, <laughs> no package. And I was talking to the guy, like you didn't send it yeah. correct. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I just opened the box that we have outside mm. where we just stash yeah. some stuff and yeah. it was just there. <laughs> so, so I guess the delivery guy just put yeah. it there. Yeah. So out of like, the rain. Yeah. yeah. Out of the rain. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. Thank you very much, dude. That's super, that's super nice. Yeah. You're yeah. welcome, man. I'm really, really excited for everything that's coming up. The concert tonight. Thank you. For sure. Yeah. yeah. The new album. The new album. Yes. Highly anticipated. If you're not following Dan Queen yet, um, master, do that. master. Yeah. Uh, you can do it on Spotify, uh, Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. I'm most, uh, Active. responsive uh, yeah, so, Facebook uh, I, I need to get better there's a list of things I need to get better at and and uh, Facebook okay, and YouTube so. are on that list so Instagram Instagram for sure Instagram and Spotify are the the pushes yes that's amazing <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah tonight we're gonna have you here and yeah. next year handpan festival yeah you will yeah, be yeah. here for I'm, sure i would love to be at this one man but it just i would be home i would be away from home for like two sure. and a half months it's a little all too good. long for me man all so good. next year yeah of course you still, you have your cat and dog at home that's right waiting that's it yeah <laughs> and a loving girlfriend of that's course. right yeah yeah so okay i yeah i think uh yeah. i've really enjoyed i'm really grateful for the first podcast that Thank has you, to be named yeah yeah we have Beautiful. to we'll have we're to have Dan. you on ours yeah with Dan McQueen. Wow. yeah we'll have to have you on our podcast man it's it's For been sure. it's been fun it's cool that there's there'll be two now and then we can hopefully uh you know work build together. an audience together yeah. this nice. will be fun yeah that's see so we'll have to have cool. you on man for sure that's super yeah. cool but uh yeah that one uh if i could just plug that one it's the handpan show if you guys, uh, if you yeah. if you need to cut this, I understand. No, 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 but, uh, no, no, no. go for it. Yeah, go it's, for it. It's our good. podcast too. It's uh, we, we talk to, to work a, together. Yeah, we sure. talk to a lot of uh, handpan artists as well. well. Of course, we'll love to have you guys on. Uh, yeah, the handpan show. It's myself and uh, David Charrier, and uh, it's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all the stuff. So great. Yeah, we're gonna do that with our show as well. Right, Tom? Shout out to Tom. Shout out to Tom. <laughs> I don't know. You probably cannot see him, but Tom is uh, one of the two amazing videographers that we have yeah so uh great well done yours nice that was a good one you guys yeah very happy yeah, for it was it. a pleasure congratulations thanks man thank you so much yeah thank you okay um wrap it up round it up it's a wrap 